Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. believe it will change life. I believe many of you listening to me, by the way, if you are online, please share it. Let's try and make, let's multiply the effect. Uh, if you haven't, uh, this is a time to do so. You can just, even if you're watching on YouTube, you can copy the link and maybe email or te- text it to a few of your friends. Uh, that is, you know, very, very important. So we're going to continue uh, our message series that we started. And I'm going to try to remind you uh, of what we are really talking about. We're talking about seven non-negotiables of going deeper with God. Uh, You know, there are seven things that are non-negotiable. You can't do without them. They are very, very critical if you really want to work with God. Uh, We talk about the first one. We talk about brokenness. You know, that, you know, the attitude, attitude, sorry, of brokenness. Uh, a broken spirit and a broken, a contract heart, the Lord will not despise. That is really needed to really work with God. Uh, we talk about being in the context of a local church. Christianity was never divine, designed to be a Lone Ranger walk. There's no such thing about an individual Christianity, right? You become a Christian by making a decision, but you, can now, you cannot live out that life on your own. It was never designed that way. There's nothing like that in the Bible. It is always in the context of a community, all right? If you really want to go deeper with God, we're going to have to kick kick out or this Western individualism does not work when it comes to the Christian faith. Amen. Number three, we talk about working on our heart, developing the right heart. Our heart is very important because it is the center of all activities that is going on in our life. The heart is very, very, very critical. And that's why David says, search me and know my heart. The Lord knows our heart as he thinks in his heart. So easy. Jesus said, a man is only defiled by what is in their heart. You know, their heart is very critical. Man looks at the outside, God looks at the heart. The heart is very important. These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. The heart is very, very important. God cares about our heart. We talked about that. We talked about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit as the next one, and that's, I believe, number four. The fellowship, developing a life of fellowship because he was our helper. He's the one that guides us into that journey of deeper work with God. And we must develop intimacy and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Last week, which is number five, we talk about learning the language of God, which is the Word of God. Uh, very important. And I want you to not just make this, uh, I listen, I go. I want you to go back to them because they will truly, truly form the foundation of your deeper work with God. Today, I'm going to go to part six. I'm going to talk about intimacy through prayer. So I'm going to be talking about the subject of prayer, but I'm going to talk about the subject of prayer as the key to intimacy with God, because there can be depth without intimacy. 
All right, there can be depth. One of the problems we have in the world today is there's not a lot of intimate conversation going on. So there's not a lot of growth going on. There's a not, not a lot of knowledge, you know, transfer of information going on between people. So it's very important for us to know going deep is actually being intimate with God. Praise the name of Jesus. And intimacy with God is really the nucleus of that is prayer. It's your prayer life. You can't claim to be intimate with God without a vibrant prayer life. But I want to try to really give you a biblical perspective on prayer. Very, very important. You see, before the fall of man, you know, what we call prayer today, I don't even know if they describe it as prayer, but what we call prayer before the fall was simply intimate conversation with God. You see, man was designed (laughs) to live in the presence of God. To have and to carry out an intimate conversation, and that intimate conversation was a, it was the lifeblood of the relationship between man and God. Don't forget, every creature was created in the environment they must live in. When God was going to create fish, He spoke to the water, and fishes and sea animals came, and they must live in the sea or in water for them to truly be what God has called them to be. When God was going to create the bird, he spoke to the hare. He spoke to the farmer man and he said, let there be birds. And that's why birds, they are at their best when they are flying, right? The most frustrated bird is a bird that is put in a cage who is unable to fly, right? You know what a fish out of water means, right? When they describe someone is like a fish out of water, they are taken out of their environment. They are not able to function. They are not able to be their best. When God created plants, he put them on the ground. That's why plants succeed. They thrive when they are in the soil, attached to the soil. When God created man, he put them in the Garden of Eden. Eden means God's presence. You know, man needs God's presence. When God created man, first of all, he created man... He didn't speak to the air. He didn't speak to the ground. You know, he didn't speak to the water, right? He didn't speak to the firmament. When God was going to create man, he spoke to himself. He said, let us make man. So intimacy with God is not a wish. It's not something. It's a necessity for us to truly be what God has called us to be. It's not for the select few. It's not for, you know, people who just want to really be so super spiritual. There's nothing as such. All right? Intimacy with God is a necessity for you, looking at me, to be what God created you to be. You cannot function to the best of your potential without a life of intimacy with God. Praise the name of Jesus. So before the fall, that was happening. I'm going to take us to the scripture, Genesis chapter 3. Let's look at verse 8, Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 through 10. This is a very beautiful uh, scripture, you know, these few verses. Uh, we, it's sad, but it's beautiful. <laughs> Hallelujah. And they heard the sound of the Lord God. This is after they committed sin now. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Can you imagine that? I mean, they had the sound. The Lord actually came to them. 
all right, for a, an evening conversation, right, for an evening walk. Is that the Lord stopping by and just say, you know, I just want to have a chat. So they heard the voice of the Lord, you know, God walking in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves. Now, seeing as coming to the picture, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. All right, then the Lord called to Adam. That's so powerful. The Lord called. You know, the Lord just say, you know, uh, where are you? I mean, what happened? I mean, we, we, I mean, we have this every day. Every, you know, at the cool of the day, we have this wonderful, intimate conversation where we share heart-to-heart talk. I tell you what's going on. You ask questions. We have conversations. Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. So sin destroyed what was great, what was going on. Sin destroyed that. I'm not going to, you know, you can read that. I'm sure many of you have read that. But there was a great thing going on. There was a wonderful conversation going on between Adam and Eve and God, you know, that intimate conversation is what we describe as prayer because that's what prayer is is that time when we you know have a visitation with the lord at the cool of the day hallelujah so that was ruined you know sin came into the picture of course he saw his nakedness and he was hiding from god of course what happened was they were kicked out of the garden you know, and all those, you know, there was a curse placed on them. They were kicked out of the garden. The Lord made some, you know, temporary clothes for them. And that was that. Now, let's go to Genesis chapter 4 and now see what happened. I mean, the result of that, of course, was sin came into the world, messed up everything. Uh, uh, Cain uh, killed Abel, right? You know, I mean, terrible things began to happen from that time on. And let's go to chapter 4 and see how, uh, you know, uh, prayer was described, you know, in verse 25. So in verse 25, Genesis chapter 4, Adam and Eve, Adam, Adam made love to his wife again. And she gave birth to a son and named him Seth, saying, God has granted me another child in place of Eber since Cain killed him. Verse 26 says, Seth also had a son and named him Enosh. At that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. I want you to look at how prayer was described here. You know, it's very easy to miss. You're going to miss it. You know, now God became a distant God. You see, you call on something that is distant, right? You call on someone that is so distant. So people began to call on the name of the Lord. So you see, the description here gives, it doesn't carry the power of intimacy, right, that we saw in Genesis chapter 3, right? Prayer, the definition or the understanding, right, of prayer became a call to somebody that is far away. Prayer became, <coughs> excuse me, prayer became the human response to a distant God. Prayer became a, a primarily a cry for help in time of trouble. 
That's what prayer is. That's why you began to look at the scriptures. You begin to see how most people describe prayer. Call unto me. You know, call upon the Lord. You know, I will call upon the Lord. Who is, you know, that began, that dominates the vocabulary of man. It was no longer about an intimacy, a walk with God, a conversation with God, a discussion with God. It is now about a call to a distant God. What a change. Jesus came to reverse that, to restore that, our view of prayer, to change our definition of prayer. Prayer is no longer a call to a distant God, even though many believers today still pray as if they were under the curse. All right? We still pray like as if God is distant. Our attitude to prayer assumes God is so far away. You know, and we must just call on him. We must really just reach out to him. Perhaps he will hear us. Perhaps he will just, you know, somehow, you know, out of his busy schedule and busy lifestyle, my voice will break through and just reach out to him. That's a that's a, that's a pre-redemption mindset. Jesus came to change that. Prayer to restore the primary function of prayer. I want to ask you, what is your attitude to prayer? What is your attitude to prayer? I hope it's not just calling to a distant God. I hope it is fellowship with a God that is near. The Lord is near. Jesus brought us near. Jesus came to remove the gap Jesus between man and God. There was gap there. Jesus came to bridge that gap. Jesus came to remove that barrier. Jesus came to really take care of our nakedness. You see, Adam was running because he was naked. Sin came into the picture. Jesus came to give us robe of righteousness. So we are no longer naked, afraid, ashamed. You know, we can go boldly to the throne of grace. Hallelujah. And that's the function of prayer. And, and I want you to really think about that about yourself. How do you see prayer? How do you process when you think about prayer? Because for many years, that's how people saw prayer. So Jesus comes into the picture and he begins to really teach, begins to really, you know, begin to give us a fresh perspective on prayer. And now let's talk about, let's look at what Jesus said, uh, says in Matthew chapter 6. So let's go to Matthew chapter 6 and look at what Jesus says when it comes to prayer. And Jesus actually dedicates a good time to talk about prayer. In Matthew 6, let's look at verse 5. And he said, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. I mean, so he's talking about hypocrites. Hypocrites, they pray to impress people. That's the definition of hypocrite. Hypocrite is always trying to impress people. 
A hypocrite is always trying to show, you know, I'm this, I'm powerful, I am great. And, uh, you know, that's, that's hypocrite. But when you pray, verse 6, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Look at what he says. So it's personal. You pray to your father. Pray to your father. You see, hypocrite doesn't pray to the father. Hypocrite is trying to impress. Hypocrite, hypocrite has lost a sense of fatherhood. The, you know, the purpose of prayer, the heart of prayer is lost to an hypocrite. Hypocrite is trying to just obey religion. Hypocrite is just trying to check the box and in the process impress everybody. Give them a posture of a praying person. But he said when you pray, you know, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. See, the quality of your prayer life is what is done in secret. All right? It's not is done in secret. Verse 7, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. You see, there's a way pagans pray. <laughs> For they think they will be heard because of their many words. So pagans try to impress God. Right? Hypocrites try to, try to do what? Impress people. Pagans try to impress God. So Jesus said, don't pray like pagans. That's because everybody prays. Isn't that true? Hypocrites pray. Pagans pray. <laughs> Everyone prays. <laughs> but he's trying to tell us there is a way to pray as a child of God. So don't just babble like pagans who think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Because prayer is not primarily about your needs. I hope, I hope, I hope somebody's catching that. Prayer is not primarily about your needs. Your father knows your needs before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. I'm sure by that time he has really messed up the minds of the disciples. I mean, they are just like, wow. I mean... You know, they are just like, what does he have to say? And he said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debt as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For, you know, and he went on from there. Now, my goal is not to do an analysis of the Lord's Prayer, but to just tell you that Jesus' goal here is to really restore the true intent of prayer. Not centered on our needs, right? Not as bastardized by religious people, which is pray to be heard, to be seen as prayer warriors, you know, a lot of people, their prayer is more powerful in public than in private. And there are a lot of people like that. I mean, in public, they just, you know, they, they're shakali kato, you know. But everybody knows them as prayer warriors. But in their closet, they are not known. 
the Lord is looking for them in the closet and they are absent. Some people are like pagans. You know, they're just praying to just, you know, when they have needs. When they have needs is when to run to God. When they are jobless, their prayer life is up. You know, when they are looking for children, wow, they, are, they, are, they go to all the mountains of prayer in the world. You know, when they are going through challenges of life, everywhere they must, they know them in every prayer line. But when things are fine, they don't pray. That's because they are praying like pagans. Prayer definition is being messed up. That's, that's what Jesus is trying to correct here. He's saying, look, if you're a child of God, he knows your needs. So that should not be your primary motivation. That doesn't mean you can't ask for your needs. But what is driving your prayer is not your needs. What is driving your prayer is intimacy. You see, if intimacy and the need for it is driving your prayer, what happened to your prayer? It's constant. It's there. Is not up and down. Is not motivated by anything but a desire to be with your father. So Jesus restored the concept of fatherhood going into God's presence as the true motivation for a prayer that God respects. So I'm going to wrap up what he said there. The prayer of the hypocrite try to impress people. The prayer of pagans tries to impress God. The prayer of true believers, right, try to spend time with God. All right? Your goal is to spend time with God. And that is what the Lord loves about our prayer. Our need for him, our desire to be with him should be the primary and when it is just about being with him. So you know that it's not about impressing. It's not about big words. It's not about those things. It's about just learning to be with him, to know him, and to enjoy fellowship with him. I'll give us a few thoughts about the New Testament theology of prayer. You see? By the way, theology is the job of every Christian, right? Theology is a study of God. Theo is God, right? So Theo is understanding of God. Just like you have biology, right? It's virology is the study of virus, right? Biology is the study of bio, right? Living things, right? So... Psychology, right, is the study of psych, the mind. All right, that's, that's how. So theology really is just, is just understanding God, God's perspective, God's way of seeing things. The New Testament theology of prayer, and I'm going to give it to us. I'm going to give us a few points. Number one, prayer is approaching God for intimacy, not calling him from a distance. And I want to impress that in our mind. Because many of us, that's, that's our, think, our thought about prayer is a distant God 
that I must break through to by, you know, maybe yelling, shouting, or by constant, you know, that doesn't mean yelling is bad, is necessarily if, you know, if it is born out of your passion. But if the attitude is the more I yell, the more, the more likely that I will be hard, then something is wrong. Then your knowledge of God is warped. Your knowledge of God is messed up and must be changed and restored. Hallelujah. All right? So it is approaching God. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 6, the writer of Hebrew puts it for us very well in verse 16. He said, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may find what? Favor or mercy. All right? And find grace to help us in our time of need. He didn't say, let us therefore call on. Let us therefore yell to. You know, let us come. It is an invitation for intimacy. All right? It is an invitation. And many people don't do this. Many people are not able to really connect with God intimately in place of prayer. They will prefer the yelling part. They will prefer to be like the children of Israel who say, oh, Moses, this is too scary. Moses was going to the mountain. God called everybody to the mountain, by the way. God, come to the mountain. And they got to the mountain and the children, I mean, the Israelites said, you know what? This is too difficult. This is too scary. We don't want to go. Moses, we'll stay here. Go for us. You know, Moses went and met and had an encounter with God and they stood at the bottom of the mountain. For some, for some, some, some of us, it's because we don't know him. Maybe you're here. The reason why prayer is calling afar you know, some people are even so good at having other people to call for them. You will even pay people to call for you. Some of you watching or listening. I mean, some people, maybe they have a better connection. Maybe they are, you know, I'm a distant relative. Maybe they are much closer. And they can get through to him much better. You know, some people feel like that because they don't know him. If you truly don't know him, then something has to be done. Then we can restore that relationship. Some people can't do that simply because they don't feel worthy of him. They're like Adam, right? You know, they feel naked. They feel unworthy. Then that can be taken care of. You know, you can take on the robe of righteousness so that you can restore that relationship with God. You know, some people don't have that, in, you know, they don't pursue intimacy simply because they are afraid of intimacy. You know, you know, that's people who have issues, you know, emotional issue. When you're afraid of intimacy with God, it is because you have a serious emotional issue. You don't know God. God is so loving. God is so caring. God loves you more than you can ever love yourself. And you can't even run away from him anyway. You know, Adam thought they could hide from God. No, they couldn't hide from God. It's, it's just stupid to even think I can hide from God. I mean, it's stupidity to think I can just hide behind a tree and God won't see me. <laughs> Hallelujah. God sees you. So intimacy with God is really, you know, the purpose of prayer is an invitation to intimacy with God. Praise the name of Jesus. So the New Testament prayer, therefore, is driven by a desire for intimacy. You know, the New Testament prayer is driven by your desire for intimacy. This is a long passage, but maybe I should read it. 
maybe a shoe, uh, so we can get the context. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus continued. You know, we read Matthew chapter 6. It's a beautiful passage, by the way. The Beatitude is a very beautiful passage to read. Hopefully, you will read it with a new lens after today. So Jesus continued in uh, verse 25. He said, therefore, I tell you, uh, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear, what you will wear, rather. It's not life more than food, and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in burns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet, I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall I eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. Verse 33. But seek first the kingdom and its righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. So he's telling us that, look, the primary reason why we should go before God is not all these things. It's not our need. See, God knows your need. And he wants to take care of your needs. And one thing about God is he actually takes care of people's needs who don't even know him. Did you get that? He takes care of even birds who don't pray. He takes care of, you know, you know, plants who don't do much. He takes care of pagans. I mean, because pagans also cry to him. Everybody cries to God, right? I used to have a boss who was agnostic. You know, I would just, you know, in my way, just share, you know, faith with him before I, I that, at that time we were, I was working at the World Trade Center. So my boss, he was really saying, I don't know about God, you know, I don't know about all this, you know, so we will have conversation. And 9-11 happened. We were on the 72nd floor of the building. Uh, you know, thankfully I made it. That's where I'm here today, of course. Praise God. Amen. My boss made it too. And after we all came back together and having conversation, and he, his wife also worked in the building. So his wife worked on the, I think, 80th floor or something like that. He was on the 72nd floor. And he got out, he couldn't find his wife. He tried to call his wife. You know, the phone wasn't working. And he told me, Gide, I just remember you. And I just went on my knees. I just call on God. Unbelievers call on God when they have needs. Isn't that true? Jonah was running away from God. Then he got into the belly of the whale, right? 
fish. What did he do? <laughs> I don't know how he did it, but he said, God, just deliver me. That's amazing. You know, just a few months ago, we saw how many, how all the 80s kept quiet in America. For a few months, there was no longer an 80s in America at the beginning of the pandemic. Isn't that? Everybody prayed. People were praying around the hospital. People were praying around everywhere. Nurses are praying. Doctors are praying. I don't see anybody saying, no, separation of church. No, no we don't need prayer. No, nobody. It's good. To, it's, it can be an 80s when you don't have a problem. You know, when there's challenge, people pray. That's my point. And the interesting thing is that God actually answers many of those prayers. I mean, I've seen many people pray before they knew God. I know my father, before he knew, he would tell me how he prayed. He even saw visions as someone that really didn't know God. That tells you that God really is in the business of answering prayer. Because he's a kind God. In fact, the Bible actually describes him as God that makes the sun to shine on both the evil and the wicked. Isn't that true? So if the primary thing that is driving your prayer is just your need, why, how are you better than unbelievers? How are we? I mean, our prayer is useless to God. The reason why God saved you, and I want you to know that it's God that saved you. You didn't find him. You didn't wake up one day and say, oh, yeah, I think I really would like to be a friend of God. I think he would need my, you know, my intelligence, my brain, maybe a little bit of my money. Let me just try and be his friend. That's not how you got saved. You got saved because he went after you, right? He came after you. Right? There's no, there's no wall that it won't kick down. Right? Coming after you. I love that. Right? He jumped through a lot of hoops. He went through a lot to find you. You are saved today because God came after you. God went after you. Why will he do all that? Because he wants, in, he wants relationship. He wants intimacy. He wants partnership. He wants that. And that is the purpose of prayer, my friends. Prayer is the driver of that. Prayer is the driver. That's why the enemy will fight, will, will really fight after our prayer life or distort our understanding of prayer. My goal is today is to Restore the proper understanding of prayer. So Jesus said, pagans run after those. Because when they come to God, that's, all, that's why they are there. And for the most part, God answers a lot of them. Because he's also their creator. He's also their creator. But for you, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek his righteousness. And he says, all these things will be given to you as well. Because it will all be given. I don't, there's no problem you are having today that nobody hasn't had, right? It will be resolved. You know, you will have food to eat. You will get a job. 
you will get a wife. You will get a husband. You will be sorted out when it comes to your immigration. Something will happen. But are you losing the essence of your salvation? The essence of prayer. And wasting that time only to talk about what you can eat, what you can drink, what you can wear, my this, my life, my this. It is a prayer of pagans. I pray the Lord will set us free from that. In Jesus' name. New Testament prayer is also about the agenda of God. It's about the agenda of God. That's why it says, seek first. The most important thing in the agenda of God should be the most important thing in your prayer. Aligning with God. All right? Worship should be your most important. God desires to be worshipped. So when you go in prayer, spend quality time in worship. Worship is because it's very important. That's, that gets him excited. And your needs are covered. Don't be too much in a rush. Oh, I always discipline myself so I'm never in a rush. If I spend an hour in the presence of God, I spend at least half an hour in worship. Just enjoying his presence. Just, just expressing my love to God. I don't go there and bang the door and just demanding. That's what many of us do. Just look at, look at that from God's perspective. You just bust in into your, and just say, God, I need you. You must do this for me, God. Isn't that how many of us do it? And we're prayer warriors. Oh, that's a prayer. That's, I'm a prayer warrior. <laughs> You've just annoyed God. <laughs> Thank God for his mercy. <laughs> you just really threw him off. He's like, what is going on with you? You chill. Let's have a conversation. So I'm praying that we will shift that in our mindset in the mighty name of Jesus. New Testament prayer is a two-way conversation. I don't have a lot of minutes, but I you will indulge me with a few minutes, uh, you know, to really cover the last aspect because I think I would not have done a good job if I don't cover this last aspect to teach you practical ways to pray or practical tips about prayer. And I'm talking about prayer of intimacy. Number one, schedule time and duration to pray. All right, there is spontaneous prayer, but if you really want to build an intimacy with somebody, I mean, you got to really schedule time to talk to them. Schedule it and make sure it's quality time. Schedule if you can do an hour, half an hour, schedule it, have your time with God, your cool of the day. 
See, that makes sure it's not driven by needs, it's not driven by what you feel, it's not driven by what you're going through and you're not going through. I mean, just, you know, no, 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 let, let's get it. And if you're not able to meet the time, tell God, I'm so sorry. Something's going on today. We're going to do it. Treat him as a person. All right? As a father. If you want to talk to your father and you say, oh, Dad, we're going to, I'm going to be there. I'm going to visit. We're going to go to Panera. We're going to chat. We're going to have a good time. You just do not show up, right? If something comes, oh, I'm in traffic or something, you're going to call Dad, right? You're going to say, you know, let's reschedule the time. Let's move it to later at 6. Schedule it. You should schedule that. That's a practical tip. If you really want to really take it to it seriously as an intimacy with God, schedule the time and duration. Number two, pray in the spirit. Practical tips I'm giving you. Pray in the spirit. Romans 6.26 tells us, one of our challenges when it comes to prayer is that we do not know what to pray, right? As we ought to. But the spirit helps our weaknesses. So practically what I do is I pray in spirit. I pray in the spirit. If you are blessed with the gift of tongues, use it. The gift of tongue is not primarily a public language. It's not a public language. You know, we take liberty when we are together. You know, we all know each other. You know, we all know everybody is saved or everybody believes in it. You know, then we use it. But if you just use it anyhow in public, it's not necessarily designed for that. First Corinthians chapter 14 tells us that. That it can confuse people. It can mess people's mind. People who don't know, people who are unbelievers. You know, it can really, Bible is clear about that. You know, I know we are Pentecostals. We like to, you know, just, whew, we're in the spirit, right? We just like to, but primarily, it's, it's a prayer language. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2 says, he that speaks in an unknown tongue, right? Speaks unto God. No one understands him. How in the spirit, he speaks mysteries to God, right? So when I pray, I, I pray in the spirit for an extensive period of time. 20 minutes, half an hour, sometimes an hour, I'm praying in the spirit. Because really, that's practically, that's one way to ensure you are praying the heart of God. That's one way to ensure you are praying the mind of God. And you know God hears. <laughs> There's a and you know whatever you are saying is deep. It's mystery. It's deep. It's the heart of God. It's powerful. It's the need. Because the Spirit knows. Hallelujah. What is in the mind of God. And the Spirit is helping you to pray. Apostle Paul answers that in 1 Corinthians 14, 15. And he said, what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit. But I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. And notice he says spirit first. That's where I learned that from. Spirit first. So I pray in the spirit first when I pray. All right? Number three. Pray the word of God. Pray the word of God. You see, prayer... And that's why last week's message, 
must precede today because, you see, the Word of God is really the language of God. All right? If you want to develop an intimacy with someone, you better speak their language or you better talk in the way they appreciate, right? I mean, there's a way you speak to someone they don't appreciate. You know, you, know, you can look like you're talking down them. You can look like you're yelling on them. You can look like, you know, so you got to really figure out how to talk. Some of us who are Nigerian, I'm, I'm from Nigeria, by the way. Sometimes we talk in a way that could be like you're attacking people. When I first moved to the United States, I would send an email and somebody would be mad. <laughs> and later I said, no, you came, you came aggressive. I'm like, whoa, what do you mean aggressive? I just spoke the way I've always spoken. No, no, it's aggressive. I mean, that, so, so language can really, I mean, that's not aggressive. I mean, that's how we spoke. I mean, now after spending many years in the U.S., I, came, I went to Nigeria one time and I thought everybody was aggressive. <laughs> went to the store, people are talking to each other. I'm like, whoa, are you guys? Yeah, oh, I forgot. Yeah, that's how I used to talk too. I mean, they were cool. They were fine. Everybody's just talking. They're yelling on top of each other. They are saying, Words that are really bodily offensive. I mean, I'm like, wow. So sometimes communication needs some knowing how people speak, right? The word of God really helps us with that. I mean, and that's why praying the word is so important. And I'll give you some example. I have some scriptures here, the way I would do it. I would take First Peter 1 4, for example. No, First Peter 1 4, first of all, is a it's a very powerful verse. It says, through this he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desire. Now, this verse is talking about the marriage of prayer, really, and the word of God. So he's saying. God has given us exceedingly great or very precious promises, which is his word. And he said, through those, you can participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world. So I would take Hebrews 4.16. Hebrews 4.16, I've just quoted it. Let us approach God's throne, right, of grace, with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. So I said, Lord... You call me to come to the throne of grace so that I can find mercy. I can find grace in time of need. So, Lord, I'm asking you for mercy today. According to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, I'm asking, this is my time of need. I need you. I just pray the word of God. Is that right? Psalm 119, verse 18. That's another one. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things from your law. So, Father, according to your word, I pray that you will open my eyes so that I will see wonderful things out of your word. I will see wonderful things out of your law. That's praying the word of God. Colossians 1.9 is one of my favorites. For this reason, since the day we've heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. I say, Father, fill me with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding according to your word. Fill me with, you see, you know what that means? Fill me with the knowledge of your will. You're praying to know the will of God. 
Matthew 6, 9 through 10. This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, right? Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I will wake up in the morning and say, Lord, let your kingdom come today. Let your will be done in my work today. Start from my heart. Start from me. Let your kingdom come to my heart. Let your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. I want my life to be in sync with you. And as I walk throughout the day today, I want your kingdom come. I want your will to be done in my marriage. I want your will to be done in my children's life. I want your will to be done. So I will take that. I will start from the word and I will pray. That, that ensures you are speaking the language of God. I mean, a lot of times when people pray, I mean, they just invent words. They just invent, they just say things that they feel like emotionally connected to. You know, the problem is God is not emotional. God is not sensational. God is not that dramatic. And he's not moved by all those things. He's moved by his word. He's moved by faith in his word. And that's why really prayer is praying in the spirit and praying the word of God. And you can go on and on. And as you read your Bible every day, just, just take prayer point out of that. You can practically convert every prayer, every word into a prayer. And that's very, very important. Make sure you pray the word. Because that drives intimacy. That drives power. That ensures your prayer life is not just gymnastic. It's not just <clears throat> responding to crisis around you. I'm not saying we cannot be urgent when urgency demands, right? Obviously, there are times when you urgently pray, when there's crisis, but that is not what is primarily driving our prayer. Too many times, our prayer life is driven by all these things. So we are on fire when there's challenge, and when there's no challenge, you know, what's, why, why do we pray? Number four and the last, be prepared for God to speak to you when you pray. Because prayer is what? It's a two-way communication. So when you pray, thankfully we have our phone. We used to say Jonah. I was about to just say some 20-year-old uh, word now, Jonah, right? A booklet. You have your phone. You have your notes, right? Always have your note open. Because really, prayer is a two-way strip. If you really spend quality time, the problem is we're in a rush. We say what do we need to say. We run out. We don't spend time to reflect. See, when you pray in the Spirit, you pray the Word to God. You express your needs. Then you, as you do that, you are also listening. What he's saying. He's it going to drop, drop nuggets. He's going to drop words. He's going to drop solutions. He's going to drop ideas. He's going to drop so many things into your heart, into your spirit. And write them down. And, you know, some of them, they're going to really become very, very useful and critical for you. If you're a business person, it's going to give you ideas. You know, the Lord will drop ideas about friends that you need to. Friends you need in your life. Friends you don't need in your life. He will drop ideas who you need to speak to. What you need to say. I mean, there are so many things the Lord wants to do in your life. But it's going to be true partnership and intimacy. And that is going to be driven primarily through your prayer life. Can we bow down our heads and pray? Father, I'm asking you that you will release the spirit of prayer 
and supplication over this house. I'm praying that no longer shall we pray like hypocrites. We just want to impress people. No longer shall we pray like pagans. We just want to impress God. But we will pray like true believers. We just want to spend time and develop intimate relationship with God. I'm praying that that will be the driver of our prayer life. And every religious spirit that really attacks this message, I come against them in the name of Jesus. Because I know the enemy is fighting this message already. He's countering, he's looking for reasons for people to resist. So I arrest every religious spirit, every demonic spirit that kicks against anything that is of God. I bind you, I silence you in the mighty name of Jesus. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you will take over. You will teach us to pray. Powerful prayer, dynamic prayer that will produce tremendous results in our lives. Thank you because you've answered our prayer. I want to pray for someone that is, you don't know God, and so the concept of intimacy is very foreign. And you want to say, Pastor, please pray for me. Just lift up your right hand if you are here. I'd like to just connect with you and pray. And if you're watching me anywhere, just lift up your right hand. You can lift it because God sees it. You're lifting it to God. And put it on your chest as I lead you in prayer. I want you to say, Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to rescue me and to save me and to bring me close to you. I, today I accept your salvation. I accept the gift and I confess with my mouth that Jesus died for me. He was buried and he rose the third day. Thank you because you've answered me. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you pray that prayer, you know, in whatever capacity, I'd like you to please fill the form. There's a form on the website or on the link where you are watching, on the platform you are watching, YouTube. Uh, whatever platform, that link will be there. Please click that link and make just fill out the form. Let us know you made a decision for Christ. If you're here in person, we also want you to go to that website that is displayed. It's a link, agapehousenj.org slash connect. If you're a guest, you should also do the same. If you type it on your phone, you're going to be able to just fill out the form and inform us of your decision. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and keep you in all your ways. This season, may you encounter him in various ways. May you respond to his invitation to intimacy. And may you experience miraculous hands of God. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen.